0: Thank you for listening to this message from Forward Ministries. We pray it blesses you, encourages you, and inspires grace in you today. You can visit us online at forwardministries.org.
1: Hey, it's so good to be back. I've been gone for five weeks. It's so weird. Weird. But this is home. Um, real quick, we were talking this morning, and I don't... I don't know exactly, I wasn't going to speak about this, but it's something that God has been doing in my heart for a very long time. And, you know, a lot of us come from broken pasts, and it doesn't matter how old you get, if you don't deal with them, if you don't let your heart get healed, and you don't change your thought process, you're going to just be stuck. Sometimes maybe at a smaller level. or um... But anyway, just the Lord has been so um, dealing with me about my thoughts. <clears throat> and just recently, I, I, um, I, what I found was, I was so hard on myself i was so hard on myself and and he just really had to break me of that because i would think something and it wasn't my thought it was just an ugly thing that would come in but i would take responsibility for that thought and think why would you even think that that's awful and i would just get so upset because i would think it came from me and he just finally painted this very clear picture and said those thoughts aren't coming from you and something broke and maybe that sounds very simple um, you know, but I've really wanted to live authentically from my heart and so I, I, I feel deeply and so to take on some of those um, they could be very simple or very small but I would just beat myself up and think how could you think that And so anyway he gave me a picture and I went home to Seattle and that's where I'm from and there's just a lot of stuff there from my childhood that I've been going back there for 18 years and um, it's always kind of a struggle and um, there's just some brokenness there But this time, something happened. And I just felt the Lord so strong on my trip. Just 10 days of straight favor. And what he was showing me is, I'm kind. I'm kind to you. I love you. I want to be kind to you. I need you to be kind to yourself. And so I had this kind of this quick picture. And of being in this tornado and I was in the middle in the eye and it was peace and the tornado was full of thoughts and he said none of those are your thoughts unless you reach out and you grab them and I got freedom in that moment I thought, "I am not those are not my thoughts and I will no longer come into agreement with them and you know we all do that that's a process our whole lives is is, is the mind of Christ but there's freedom there's such freedom for me in that and so I just want to encourage you if that's something that you keep dealing with be kind to yourself See, I think it's just, we don't get how kind he is to us. Yep. And you've you got to just start seeing yourself like he sees you. That's the key. That's the key. So anyway, I just wanted to, to share that. And Would you pray? Yeah.
0: Because I know some people are struggling with yeah, this. Yeah, because
1: so. it's, it's a big deal. And you. Yep. Know, yeah, we, have, we, we get taught this our whole lives. But it's, yeah. it's, I think, when the Lord knows you're finally ready to say, I'm done with this tormenting stuff. So Father, we just come today before you. You're the best father. You're the best father. No matter what kind of earthly father any of us have had or not had. You will spend our entire lives convincing us of your goodness and of your faithfulness and of your love and of your mercy and of your grace. I have seen it over and over and over. And I just pray right now for everybody in this room that is just struggling. There's something that isn't clicking, God, and it's just you know what it is, and it's our thought life. I just pray your grace just to freshen anew on every single person that's dealing with what I'm talking about here, God. You know who they are. You know what they're dealing with. But I just thank you right now for your help. I thank you that you never give up on us, and you're telling them, never give up. Never give up. I just pray freedom. I pray breakthrough in areas that they gave up on long ago. God, I just declare that right now, breakthrough and a hope to rise up where breakthrough has been. You've given up. You've given up, but I say no. Today's a new day. Yeah, that's right. Today's a new day, and God's mercy is new every day. And so, thank Lord, you. we just ask for that hope yes. right now thank to you. rise up afresh and anew. And I just thank you for these precious people. I thank you, God, that we are we are coming together. Yes. And we are um, getting the mind of Christ, the heart of Christ. Thank you. Lord, you, you're so good. And I just thank you, and I praise you for what you've done for me, Lord. It has been a lifelong journey of healing. And you are faithful. You are faithful. Jesus. And I just thank you. I am unashamed and I say thank you. Thank you, Lord. Thank you. For healing this heart. (sighs) And it's never too late. Thank you. So we praise you today and we glorify you. And it's in your name, Jesus, the greatest name that we pray. Amen.
0: Amen, amen. Thank you so much for sharing. That's Sorry. awesome. No, that was awesome. Thank you, Ms. Julie. Man, I mean, that's the message right there today, honestly. That's exactly what God has been showing me that he wanted to minister today. It's just that picture. I think that picture, right? It's that picture of the tornado of thoughts around you. And it's your choice if you're going to reach out and take that or not. I think we just kind of need to let that sit for a minute. Isn't that, isn't that the struggle? You know, once you, once you relearn a few things about the character of God and you rebuild how you see God to be in agreement with who he revealed himself to be in Jesus. You know, once your view of God is Jesus, in that he forgave the sinner before they ever even asked, he showed compassion to the one caught in the most horrid situation, he did admonish them, go and sin no more, but I'm not condemning you. When you see God like that, When you see God bringing himself down to your level to connect with your shame and take your guilt and take your burden, and you see him as an elder brother that's cheering you on, and you see him as a loving father, and you see him as a good husband, a nurturer, a provider, a comforter, that's the stuff we should be taught, right? I mean, those are the things that we should be taught in church our entire lives. But once you rebuild in your heart your perspective of God, then you got to deal with you because <laughs> you're still there. you got to deal with your past. you got to deal with your thoughts. But the truth is, if you know that God loves you, it's very, very simple. You don't even have to learn that much more. I mean, we're information mongers. It's like, i got to get this and understand this and understand this. What about this? It says this. I mean, I get that. I love to study myself, but it is God's love for you that makes you whole. It is His working in your heart that you can receive that brings you to a place where you have unconditional trust for Him because you are moved and changed by His love for you. The world doesn't know that. I'm telling you, we come in here and this is like, you know, this is like a rally. This is like a, we come in here and we remind each other because you need to hear this stuff over and over and over because there are people in your life that don't know. They don't know that they can choose their thoughts. They don't know that God is good. They don't know that he has good plans for them. But once once you convince them of that, they don't know that their inner world is their domain. You know, I had some thoughts running around. I, I, I'm in a limbo state right now because I was very focused and clear on the Heart series, and we wrapped that up, and we've got Christy Metropolis coming next week, which is going to be awesome. The uh, ladies that are here, there is a women's brunch at 10 o'clock. Well, we want
1: you here at 930, 945 to fellowship
0: first. Okay. We're starting to teach at 10. That'll be Saturday. This coming Saturday, a week from yesterday, um, all women are invited. If you haven't registered, get with Sarah or just go to the website. Um, but it's going to be good, and then she'll be ministering in here Sunday morning. So after that, I'm looking at taking on the the light little topic of the sovereignty of God. Right? We'll wade through that murky water. But <clears throat> today, I, I just all my all week long, I was hearing things like. To, to, to encourage you, you're not a victim of your thoughts. What you allow to go around in your head that doesn't match how God sees you is your own fault. And it's a distraction. And it's something that you, you, you can't just let that stuff beat you down and say, you know, well, you know, I'm just, I'm just confused, and I don't understand, and, you know, confusion is a choice mostly, and it's because we're not doing what Laura described, and that is checking if these thoughts about ourselves are in agreement with how God sees us. Constantly, we do this constantly. You know, mo- most people aren't aware enough of what's going on in their minds, and in their hearts, and in their souls to choose a different reality? I mean, you know people, and you've been that way yourself in the past, and we all still, you know, end up that way sometimes. It's like we just lo- we feel like we lose control, and we're just a victim of what our life is doing to us, and we're a victim of what our thoughts are telling us, and then, and then we, if we see ourselves still that way in our hearts, we'll get into agreement with that stuff. But what happens like what Laura described, what, the reason it clicks, the reason it shifts, is not because she got really, bet, got really good at taming her thoughts, right? It's not because she learned some information and in some seven-step process of how to get your thoughts in order and how to feel better about yourself. You know, we're not on a path of personal development. We're on a path of transformation. But what happened is this, and when she was telling the story in prayer before the service, you know, I I said, it's perfect. That's like exactly what we're talking about today. But what happened is this, her self-image changed. Now, follow me on this, all right? Because only the love of God and you immersing your identity in how God sees you is what causes this type of self-image change. Did you you hear me on that? Only you connecting with God's value for you is what changes your self-image. So she's seeing all these thoughts, and in the past, a particular self-image was dictated more by the past. It's like, oh, there's a thought that's related to my past, and I still feel and think this way about myself, so I'm going to reach out and I'm going to grab that one. But once you become persuaded and influenced by the spirit within you and you start to rebuild who you are based on what God thinks about you and who he says you are and what he paid for you and the new creature that you've been built into, then those thoughts swirl around and, and you're like, wait a minute, that, that doesn't define me anymore. Oh, wait, there's hope. I'm going to reach out and I'm going to grab hope. I'm going to reach out and I'm going to grab, I don't know how to do that, but I've got God with me, I'm going to take that step. Those are the thoughts that you then begin to, because you're always, always, always looking inside at that little picture, that that self-portrait that you've written on your heart, and lining up your future and the thoughts and the people around you with who you think that you are, and making decisions based on how you see yourself. You just do that. It's the reason you allow the kind of relationships in your life that you do, good or bad. It's the reason you make the kind of choices that you do, good or bad, because of how you see yourself. If you rebuild that based on what God has done in you and through you in Christ, then the swirl around you, you just choose. You choose life. You choose Christ. You choose the path of transformation rather than the path of guilt and shame or the path of sin. And the truth is, it's just a deep, internal, personal process that you're in with God. But it's intentional. It has to be intentional. When you're facing challenges, and you look at the world, and you can look at the circumstance that you're in, and you have accurately analyzed it. My job is this, and if I do this, I can make this, and I'll only get this far. My husband is this, my wife is this, and she's this, and it's this, and it's all it's ever going to be. And if you look at the world and you analyze where you are, and you're reaffirming, because that's what you're doing. You're constantly reaffirming to yourself your limitations. We do it all the time. And then we forget that God, who created everything out of nothing, can change your life. I woke up in the middle of the night this week, it was like two o'clock, and, you know, just had a lot of thoughts going on, and so I had to, you know, relax and chill and just get a hold of what was going on, and so then I was awake, and so I grabbed my iPad, and I go on Amazon, and I found this documentary on dark matter, you know, like you do, just a little, like astrophysics watching at 3 o'clock in the morning. (laughs) But I I just love those kinds of things because it just smacks of God. And, you know, they were talking about, and I've looked at this stuff before, but they talked about the universe and how they feel like that that, that physics is at a crossing point. It's at a crossroads where they have to either come up with a new model or they got to find some new stuff that makes it all make sense. Because right now, all the components that they have in their standard model with the forces and everything that exists within that, they don't work unless there's something else making it work, unless there's something else holding it together, right? It, it, it's kind of like these amps up here. You can look at the inner workings of those amps and you can look at all the circuitry and the knobs and the lights and everything. But plugging that thing into electricity is what makes it all work together. You unplug it, there's no electricity. You're just looking at a bunch of mechanical parts thinking, I don't know how this works. You add electricity to it and then it powers. It's like that's what they're looking for. They're looking for the power, the engine that holds it all together, that makes it all work. And 95% of what is in the universe is unknown. They call it dark matter, dark energy. They they don't know what it is. 5% of what can be observed and measured is all they have to work with. 95%. So what they do is the way that they've discovered that there is an unseen entity or an unseen force or an unseen presence or an unseen something is that they can see that there's more gravity out there affecting what they can see. And so they say, oh, this stuff is being affected by stuff we can't see, therefore we know it's there. Very, 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 very simple effect. But, it, but for those of us that are kind of, we want to understand things, to me that speaks of God. You know, Romans 1.20 says that we clearly understand the things of God that we can't see by the things that we can see. So to me, I like to look at that stuff and think 95% of what the universe consists of, the people that are telling us how everything works, they don't know what it is. All they know is there's something out there affecting us and where we are. And you translate that to God, man, like in Hebrews 11, by faith we understand. I mean, that's a principle in and of itself. Ask yourself, what is it that constitutes understanding for you? Is it faith in God or is it having all the details worked out? Not that God wants you in the dark, but by faith, we understand. You trust God, understanding comes, right? So, on ourselves, We think that we're on this path of getting better. You know, Christianity, a lot of times, it's like how to be a better citizen. This is what you're supposed to give. This is how you're supposed to treat your husbands, how you're supposed to treat your kids. This is what you're supposed to do. This is who you're supposed to care about. And and I get that. But it's like all that stuff happens naturally when that unseen force is affecting your heart, and all those things then become fruits. See, what we've done is we've, we've made it all about the external and doing the stuff and missed this deep heart connection that we should have with the part that we can't see, with the influence that we know is out there, but are we really yielding ourselves to that? And the way you do it primarily is in your thoughts. I've talked to some of y'all. I know what you're going through. And, and you know, my job is to make you mad. <laughs> My job is to get in your face and say, did you forget about God? Because all I hear you talking about is what you have figured out and what you think you're limited to. And I do it to myself. I mean, you know, I mean, we're all in the same boat together. But grace comes alive when you are willing to make a choice to hold on to the truth. And see, Grace is that influence on your heart that is bringing a capacity greater than your own strength. What you need is grace. Now, we've been taught that grace is mercy. You know, mercy is different than grace. Grace is an actual power. Grace is an actual influence on you. Grace is like electricity from God. It's it's mentioned and referenced in lots of different areas all throughout scripture. It is a so it's a life source. It's a, it, it is the the essence of that wellspring of life. I mean, that's the Spirit of God rising up within you. But there's a capacity that you tap into. You cannot change your own spots, you know, as the passage says, can a leopard change its spots? You can't change yourself. You can put forth some effort, you can make some decisions you can put some boundaries in place, but ultimately your natural reactions will match how you see yourself deep within you. And that's what has to change. And as that changes, you become more aware of the things that you're letting limit you. I love, I mean, did you- who's got, are you on Olympic overload or what? Y'all- who's Y'all watching the Olympics? Did you see the synchronized sw- uh, divers? Uh, So, you know, one of the guys, I think his name was Steel. What a name, Steel. And, you know, they're like Greek gods all cut up and everything. I'm like, y'all need bigger bathing suits, but. (laughs) But just the two, the nicest guys, and they're talking to them, and they're like, this is your first time and it's a big deal for you to be here and you might, you you know, I don't remember exactly. It's like it was just this guy, it was a long shot for this guy to even be there. He was new to this partner and, you know, they're talking to them. And both of them in the conversation, there's a a reporter there with the microphone. Did you see it? It's going all over social media and everything. The one guy who's kind of the, the leader in the duo and then the second guy says the same thing and they say, well, so what, is, what does this moment mean? And they build it all up, and they're looking for the drama, right? And, and pretty much the guy says, yeah, we're glad to be here, but honestly, whatever happens over there doesn't really matter because my identity is in Christ. And she was like, oh, okay, and to the next guy. And she asked him, and he's like, you know, I don't want to assume her intention, but it was pretty quick shift. And he's like, yeah, you know, he did address the moment, but he said, he said, it's like so-and-so said. It really doesn't matter what happened up there. My identity is in Christ. That is powerful. And the, the world watched, the world saw that. The world, is, the world is sitting there thinking, who am I? You don't have the right to define yourself. You were created. You are who that creator says you are. Austin's a potter. You don't have those pots sitting there going, hey, I'm supposed to be this, right? You decide. I love that. That's what what we're in. We're in the process of rebuilding how we see ourselves to match what's already happened in our spirit. See, because God already took care of the deep part, and we talk about it all the time. You went through an operation. You had a heart transplant. God removed that old heart, and he gave you a new heart, and made you a new creature, and this new heart knows his voice. You are hearing God perfectly and clearly in your spirit directed to that new heart. It's just that when you're standing in that tornado of options and past and mo- emotion and feelings, you're, you're, you're choosing things that are different than what God's already done within you. And, and so then the character of God comes into question. And this is, kind of, this is where I'm going to go into the series. I'm going to start week after next. But the character of God comes into question in those moments because if you realize that you have been complete already in your spirit by the working of Christ within you and you are a new creature and you have different character misunderstandings of who God is, then you start limiting and filtering what you think he can do in your life and why things happen. Does that make sense? It's like, okay, well, deep down, I believe that God is good. And there's, I think there's a couple of questions that we can answer. You know, one would be, uh, what's heaven like? Just, just kind of follow my logic here for a minute in regard to what you think God wants in your life. What is heaven like? Y'all, y'all can, this is, I'll give you, Y'all can shout out your hands. What's heaven like? What do you think of when you think of heaven? What's heaven going to be like? Peace. Peace. What else? Joy. Understanding, understanding is love. Understanding. Yeah, really understanding. A beautiful place. Yes, and you will see people that you have lost, that uh, you have lost, and you will all
1: be together.
0: That's right. How about pain? Any pain there? Any sickness there? Any lack there? Any worrying there? Any trying to figure out the future there? Any devil there? Any enemies there? Okay. So that's what heaven's going to be like, right? Yes. What do you think God wants your life to be like here? Do you? Because two people said that okay
1: you want to be at peace with your life and have uh, have, have control of your life okay and, you know and you've got to leave, leave this all in his hands because he will provide and he will take care of all of your problems and your situation you have got to trust and you've got to
0: believe in God Jesus Christ mm. what were you saying that's good. That's the predicament we're in, right? <clears throat> I think when we're there and we see him completely unveiled because we don't have the flesh, we don't have our own control, and it's not like you're going to be a robot there. But it's interesting... The answers were a little different. Like I don't know if your answer was different, but it's like okay. So what's heaven like? What does God want your life to be like here? It should be the same. I mean, it really should be the same. Now, yes, there's the responsibility to trust. Absolutely. But why is it going to be easier to trust God in heaven than it is here? here. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. Shoulda. You yep. should. It seems to me that,
1: um, that to the point, if, if we believe that we can have heaven on earth, mm. and we address that, I think, um, well, and we can access what we need at that moment, at any given time, and moving that authority, then we get away from the escape mentality of wanting to be somewhere else, thinking it's going to be better, mm. when in reality it can be the same way here.
0: Yeah, And Jesus even prayed it. Absolutely. Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. But what we do is we have this tornado of confusion and circumstance, and we allow our theology to be more dictated by circumstance than God's will. Now, God's will certainly is addressing your behaviors and how you should treat people and how you should follow him. I mean, obviously, it, it addresses those kinds of things. But, I mean, if Jesus says the kingdom is within you and I have delivered you from the power of darkness and translated you into the kingdom of Jesus, you know, there's a, I realize that brings up a lot of questions and I'm, I'm not trying to put a nice little bow on that. I just want us to collectively lift our thoughts and the expectations of our hearts to a different place, a place that's not limited by the shortcomings of this place. You know, a a realm of thinking that is more influenced by the spirit of God than it is by the confusion that we see in the world. And I just, you know, Rachel's testimony, I've talked to so many of y'all. The brave ones that get up here, it's amazing. I've heard similar things from a lot of you guys. And, And sometimes they're very, very personal and you don't want to share it. And I get that and I don't blame you at all. But, you know, when somebody like Laura stands up and talks about what she's been struggling and dealing with, you know exactly that that's where you are as well. But when you choose to get your mind in agreement with the truth of who God says that you are and just take it all the way into heaven, you know, if you you can't figure out, well, I don't know about that healing stuff. I don't know about this. I don't know about sovereignty. I don't know about this. It's like, all right, let's just go on ahead and put our mind in heaven. What's it going to be like there? And how much of that can you filter back into where you are now as far as what God wants for you? Does, does that make sense to you? Yes. And and so then what's missing is your heart confident toward Him to be empowered by that grace. Most of us wait until we're in trouble to trust God. It's like we got it off. We're, we're doing good. I'm good. And then problems come, and then you ask God to show up. Rather than living that, a life of devotion to him, a life of waking up and just noticing and being thankful and being aware that he's with you, and, and, and really just a life of thankfulness. That conditions your mind and your heart more than anything for difficult times. When you know God loves you, when you don't need anything from him, when you're at peace and you are, when, when all is well with your soul, what are you doing with him in those moments? Good. Because if you don't cultivate that aspect of the relationship, then when it does get difficult, you're not going to be in agreement and thinking along the lines of this tightness that you have with him. He's going to be distanced because you don't think about him until you've got a problem. Taking a bath. Like taking a bath. Yeah, if you don't take a bath every day, you're going to stink. <laughs> <laughs> That's true. It's true. Take a bath every day. With God in your mind, wash your brain, your mind, renew your mind. So the option is, what, what are you going to allow yourself to think are you going to only allow logic from this world to dictate what's possible? Or maybe can you look out to the universe and realize there is something that we don't see affecting even the physical world. That teaches me that God, who I can't see, is absolutely able to affect my life. And we don't understand how all that works. There's mystery there, you know. I mean, I I like to remove mysticism from Christianity and the gifts of the Spirit and all that kind of stuff because mysticism is so subjective. But there is mystery with God. Now, the mystery still has principles. He has good plans for you. He loves you. He will never leave you or forsake you. You are delivered from the curse of the law. You have been set free from the law of sin and death. You know all those principles are still in place, but there's mystery out. Let God be God, and trust Him. He knows. This place is magical almost when you just let God be God. Stuff changes and happens and works out, and you know, like, wow, how did that happen? I I I want to read this passage. And uh it's going to be in the second Corinth the second Corinthians one. And um <clears throat> because I want to look at Paul for a minute and then I'll wrap up on this. But it has to do with dealing with weaknesses and dealing with infirmities and in the character of God. You know, I I got to teach a little bit. Because we've been given this idea, this passage, in this story. Let's just read it, and then I'll comment on it. If you go ahead and put it up there. So this is Paul. This is 2 Corinthians. This is chapter 12. This is already the second letter that Paul wrote to the church of Corinth. Corinth was a church that was dealing with division and strife and and they were suing each other in the church, and it wasn't even that large of a church. You know, some historical records say it was just a few hundred people. I mean, it'd be like the church of this size. We've got two services, and, you know, Donald and Paul are in a lawsuit, and, you know, uh, Carrie's standing up and trying to tell us that women should be taken over, and it's like, you know, all this kind of stuff. (laughs) And there's just all this faction going on, and, and so... Paul kind of he pulls pulls the authority card here a little bit, right? I'm not saying that women shouldn't be or should be submissive. That's not my point. Y'all know my y'all know where I stand on that. But anyway, Paul's like, look, there are these false teachers among you, false prophets. They're boasting of all these great things that they've done. It's interesting what we see in the church and then what we see with the early church. And Paul's like, I. I don't want to boast in all these missions trips that I've taken. And, you know, I think we should share testimonies. I'm, I'm going back and forth between what Paul said and my thoughts so I'm not to confuse you. But Paul's saying, you've got these guys that are coming in, and they're trying to impress you, essentially, with all the great works that they've done. I boast in my infirmities because God gets the glory then. Because when I am weak and then something still amazing happens, it's obviously God. So that has been translated to God wants you weak because he shows up when you're at the end of your rope. That's not what it's saying. Some of us believe that God won't show up until we're at the end of our rope. You see, he's just not broken enough yet. You just just haven't quite gotten to the end of yourself yet. You just aren't at that bottom rung on the rope. You're still in control and God's waiting until you're just about to give up until he swoops in. Really? That's not what he's saying here. So Paul's dealing with that. And I picked the King James. I know it reads clunky, but the, the words are correct for this particular subject here that he's dealing with. So Paul's addressing the mentality. You got these guys boasting in themselves. I boast in my weaknesses because it's obviously God who's glorified in that moment when it goes when it works out. So he says, unless I should be exalted. Now, some translations say conceited, as if God's got a pride problem. I mean, as, as if Paul's got a pride problem. Most of us have been taught this story of Paul's thorn in the flesh, as if Paul had a pride problem, and God needed to bring him down a couple of notches. You ever heard it that way? All right. That's wrong. I just want to say that off the jump here. So, lest I should be exalted above measure through the abundance of the revelations. All right. He's not mentioning pride. He's talking about being exalted because of the abundant revelations that he's had. What are the revelations that he's had? I mean, it's like two-thirds of the New Testament. The 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 gospel is for the Gentiles. There is a righteousness that is revealed not by works but by faith. You know, that type of stuff is what he's talking about. He's talking about the revelation of the gospel. So it says, There was given to me a thorn in the flesh, the messenger of who? Really? I thought it was a messenger from God. He was pride. God needed to knock him down a little bit. messenger from Satan to buffet me, lest I should be exalted above measure. Essentially, what he's saying here is, The devil didn't like what was happening through my ministry. The devil didn't like that I was going around and fruit was happening because of these revelations. So he attacked me. This is not God trying to knock Paul down. Watch what God does. So next verse. For this thing I sought God thrice, that it might depart from me. And he said unto me, My grace is sufficient for you. All right. A lot of us hear this answer, and my grace is sufficient for you, is code for no. Paul, would you please take this away? And God says, no. Isn't that what we've been taught? But what's the answer? My grace is what you need in this moment. Paul, you're seeing this the wrong way. You're wanting me to show up externally and take something away from you. But what you need is my power working inside of you to walk through this situation. Now, it's not God crafting a trial to make him more holy or make him more righteous. It's God working with him in this moment to bring him through it. Do you see the difference? It's a big deal. I mean, some people you're like, oh, yeah, I see that. That's fine. No problem. Some people have a really hard time making that shift in their thinking because of how they see God. So, essentially what he's saying, it's, it's, like, it's like Jesus prayed in the garden. It's like, I, I'm not sure I'm feeling this, Lord. I'm, that whole cross thing, mm, I, I'm not sure I want to drink that cup. If there's another way, let's do that. Let's do it that way. But, but he stops. He says, you know what? Nevertheless, not my will, but your will. Do you think God didn't strengthen him through that process? So my grace is sufficient. Paul, you don't need me to take this thing away from you. All you need is to be strengthened by me to walk through this process. For my strength is made perfect in weakness or made mature or made whole. So that's the principle he learned in asking God to show up and do something in his life. God's response was, because of what we know about grace, grace is defined by this. It is a divine influence on your heart. So God's divine influence on Paul's heart was what he needed, and it was enough. That was the the principle that he learned. So then he expounds on that. So... Most gladly, therefore. So his conclusion is this. Absolutely, I'll be glad. Therefore, I'll rather glory in my infirmities that the power of Christ may rest upon me. See, that's his conclusion. That's not God saying I need you weak because I need you to be at the end of yourself before I can move. Do you see? All right, next verse. Therefore, I take pleasure in infirmities in reproaches and necessities and persecutions and distresses for Christ's sake in other words, as I stand up for the gospel and as I preach Christ, that's why this stuff comes on me. For when I'm weak, then I'm strong. How far did I say we were going? Yeah, that's there. You can pull that down. I mean, it's, it's kind of like God's not saying no. He's not saying I need to leave this thorn in your flesh. By the way, the thorn in the flesh if you go back to the first references of what that is, people have called because he uses the word infirmities, and it's, they relate the two, and it might be that. We don't know for sure, but the language that he's using and given the way that Paul writes, he's probably referring to a person or a group of people, like the one woman who was walking around behind him who was demon-possessed and kept shouting out and yelling, and she followed him around for a few days, and then he got a revelation that it was a demon, and he cast it out. That's what he's probably talking about. The spirit from Satan to buffet him was probably a people group. Well, who might that have been? Absolutely the Pharisees, the Sadducees, the lawyers. They were all following him around just like they did Jesus. <laughs> That's our choice, though, is that if you, don't, if you haven't cultivated that relationship of thankfulness and depending on him and being open to him and intimacy when things are good, when it goes bad, you won't know how to receive that grace from him. You'll still be thinking in agreement with the old you. You'll be thinking in agreement with how you've lived in the world up until now rather than in agreement with God is my source, God is my nourishment. You know, I I don't know, y'all, I... It just, I always go back to this. I always go back to a garden picture or a tree as far as how I see myself in God. I daily, when I wake up, I just try to look at myself as rooted in Christ, and I'm just receiving nourishment from the Spirit of God. I'm being influenced, and I'm being led, and, and, and whether it's a conscious thought or not, I'm moving toward God, and I'm just being led by His Spirit. He has good things out there for me, and as I'm aware of Him, and as I'm, at, and I'm in, in peace with my heart, He can. I will follow. But if I'm looking at the world, and I'm distracted, and I'm looking, especially if it creates an emotion within you, if you've got something in your life, and you're looking at it, and it invokes an emotion within you, you're going to be pulled toward that thing. You have to make it a practice of looking inward to the Spirit of God and letting His truth invoke emotion to the degree that that's what you hold on to. And you're, then you're not moved by this stuff out here. Yes, it's out there, but like Paul, you don't need God to come and take it out of your life. You have grace that is more powerful than anything that that thing can do to you. But it's your thoughts. It's your thoughts. We have to become aware of what's going on in the inside of us. We have to become aware of the kinds of choices that we make and what we allow to invoke emotion within us because it is creating your future. It is affecting where God is leading you in regard to how you listen. So I I pray that you can make that journey. I pray that you can be aware and you can stop you know, and there's little things that you can do. I mean, I gave this exercise. I don't even know. It's been a while now. But it, it physiologically, you can, you can have a different emotion within two minutes if you can change your focus and hold that focus for just a couple of minutes. So in other words, you're sitting there and you're feeling this fear and this anxiety and this depression. If you can shift your thoughts and your attention and your focus on a truth of God, Something like, my peace I give to you, not like the world gives. It's not going to, it remains, I will never leave you or forsake you. If you can meditate on that truth long enough so that it changes, because that's the truth, right? It's not like you're just doing some psychological exercise. You're just getting yourself in agreement with the truth to the point that you feel it and it's real. Because the other thing is going to change. Day to day, it changes. You ever notice that? It's like something happens one day and you're like, this is the worst day ever. And then the next day, you don't even think about it. But God's truth remains. That is is our call. Hold on to that. Allow his word to abide within us. Father, we thank you. that you are a rock. You don't move. You don't shift. You are fertile soil that we can anchor ourselves into. And we want to be fully yielded to your influence over us. And we, we change our minds to make it a daily habit of being thankful for the good things, of giving you the glory of giving you the praise for the breath in our lungs, for the sun that gives us life, for the rain that takes care of this planet. God, just, just the basic things, God, that you provide without us even asking. May our hearts and our minds be full of thankfulness for you because when the difficult time comes, and it does, we're ready to tap into your grace to just walk right through it. Thank you for your peace. Thank you for your love for us. We trust you, Lord. Amen. Amen.